Blog Talk Radio. What up, y'all? It's your boy Rodney Perry, and this is Rodney Perry all the way live. I got an incredible show for y'all today, man. It's going to be another uh, great show. I want to thank all of y'all that continue to listen to this show, man. It's it's very awesome. Uh, Thank you to Blog Talk Radio for creating this format for us to kind of create our own shows, our own energy, and, and to really... Um, um, help take people's careers to the next level. Uh, I started doing blog talk almost, shoot, two years ago now, and I went on a, like a year hiatus. So this is my, my return to blog talk radio, and you can only return with a few people. So my guest today is awesome, but before I get into that, let me give you all a glimpse of what's going on in uh, the Rodney Perry world. First of all, my website is RodneyPerry.com. My Twitter is at Rodney Perry. I'm at Rodney Perry. And a new thing that we're just starting to use is text marketing. And uh, so text Rodney Perry, all one word, to 41411, and that will give you all the updates. We're doing giveaways. I'm gonna, I plan to give away a trip within the next 12 months. So uh, through that line and through that line, text message only. And uh, upcoming things we got going on, we got the Cleveland Improv, uh, July 8th through the 10th. Uh, we're in Belize for the Belize Film Festival, July 14th. Uh, July 15th is Just Jokes with Shorty Shorty and Benji Brown. And uh, on July 23rd, Mike Bonner's birthday bash, all-white party and extravaganza is going down. And uh, so that's what I got going on. That's what I got coming up. But enough about Rodney Perry. This is Rodney Perry Live, and one of the things that I've been blessed with in my career is to meet and connect with really incredible people. And one of those incredible people I have on the line today, and uh, I'm so excited. And I I, I try to start the show with a little music that kind of is indicative of the human being that I'm going to be talking to today. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, Justin Bieber. Never say never. Never say never. All the time for liking that song People people tease me For liking that song But I, I like that song One, it's so powerful And the words never say never I think really describe uh, The young lady I'm about to bring on the line uh, Her name is Chandrella uh, it, it's, a, it's a one She's a one name person But I happen to know her full name But she's definitely a one name person You got Prince And then you got Chandrella Ladies and gentlemen Without any further ado Actress uh, comedian, uh, philanthropist, uh, coolest person in the world. Show some love for Chandrella. <laughs> What's up, Rodney Perry? How you doing, Drell? I'm doing fantastic. I really am. Very delighted. That was a whole lot going on, and I'm giveaways and trips and stuff. What's up with the trip? So, <laughs> sister, well, up on a trip, where you sending folks to? It better be somewhere nice, too. Don't be trying to be fly. fly. It's going to be fly. You know, I... Well, I'm actually still still working on that since you. Well, then consult with me because you know I know about trips and I have been some places. So I like you are definitely the queen of going fly places. (laughs) 
Well, that is attributed to having a really international husband. So I gotta, I gotta give him some props on that. I like that. And I really want to come out and see that show with the shorty, shorty. What's up with the shorty, shorty? What that, up, y'all? Uh, we got a little technical. <laughs> no, difficulty. you know, shorty, shorty. What my with name this, uh, is? Interview. Is, uh, what is going down? Greensboro. Let's see. Greensboro, North Carolina, I believe. Oh, I love Greensboro, North Carolina. I know that. Yeah, I actually shot Secret Life of Eve there. I know exactly where it is. It's fabulous. Now, now speaking of of your illustrious yeah, yeah, career, let's, all right. well, anyway, let's just jump right uh, into it. First of all, dang, I want you to hear this, man. It was, it was a hot interview. I actually, including yourself, I've been uh, dabbling with I'm recording some of the interviews that, that I've been doing. Uh, Mama Mahoney, Venice is on the line. Um, uh, Funny to the Moon is on the eye. Check, check right on the screen. Is on the line with people uh, that, in the uh, chat room. The so we, we just went live, man. I've been dabbling with recording interviews because a lot of my friends that are quote-unquote celebrities, you know, they schedules well, on a lot of them hook up with me it definitely on, compliments um, on some of these the days. talents and the gifts that I've been blessed with. Oh. It acknowledges there that we go. Back up. if you're in a position to, you know, have the opportunity and, and Keep listening, y'all. This is great one interview. of your dreams come true for you to work, you know, in this arena with these great, talented people, yeah, it, it, it ignites the fact that you've arrived. I'll say that because... You know, I didn't just wake up one day and say, you know, oh, my goodness, I'm, I'm going to go to Hollywood. I'm going to be a star. No, I really put forth the effort. You know, I work. I went to high school for the performing arts. I went to college. I have a theater degree. It's really something that I've always desired to do and dreamt of. So when the opportunity presents itself and you're able to get past that, you know, there are some people that just it's happenstance. It happens for them, and that's, like, really a blessing. But when you really, you know, have these people on your wish list, and then it comes to fruition, oh, my goodness, it just validates that, you know, all the efforts that I put forth is actually measured up to, to these individuals and that I've arrived. It's very humbling, truly humbling, extremely gratifying, very gratifying, and it does push me to continue on to create new lists and see different people and then push myself to the next level for sure. Awesome. Speak to always knowing because – I, I mean, I've always been a stand-up comedian. I, I can. I had teachers that would let me tell jokes in second grade at the end of class. Just always shut up throughout the day. And, mm-hmm. and listening to your story, the School of the Arts. You went to college for theater. You knew. What What is it like knowing? And then now the world knows. Wow. Um, I, I mean, that's really. That's a fantastic question because my actually my sister and I we were just discussing the fact that what, when you know how comfortable that feels you know, and I say that um, you know because I, I had a I had an affinity for performing you know from you mentioned second grade telling jokes which is hysterical and in second grade I was doing um, spelling bees and um, on debate teams in the private school my parents put me in and so. I learned very early about, you know, capturing the audience attention, not to mention I was pretty tall, you know, for a kid, so I was already a standout to begin with. Mm-hmm. So that kind of helped to add to my confidence, even though I looked different than all the other kids. I was above the average height. You know, me performing and doing these whatever it was, spelling bee, you know, debate team, speech contest, it afforded me the confidence that no matter how I look different, you know, I have something to, to bring to the table. So that added to the next level of I really like performing and, you know, I you know, I want to be an actress. And, you know, my father didn't necessarily think that was an amazing choice of, of action just because he felt I had different talents and I had more 
powerful talents, but I do believe you can play pretend, you know, in all imaginary worlds and, and execute those, 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 that profession that my father wanted me to do while being on screen. So he still gets his wish, I still get my wish, but my mother actually saw something really grand in that desire because she saw the passion in my eyes and she saw the commitment when, um, from a little girl. So knowing that that's what I want to do, it's, a, it's definitely comfortable because then even though other people may say, oh, my goodness, you're talented in this and you're talented, I'm like, yeah, but I love doing this. This is my space where I feel safest. Even though it's the most challenging and, and hardest thing to, to get in, but once you're in there, you, I feel so, so, so safe in that zone. So for me, I, um, it's a comfortable thing. It's reassuring. However, it still doesn't mean that it's going to happen. So there's where you, you know, you continue to make the smartest choices and pray that God, you know, link up to what your desires are, quite frankly, because I could have had that talent and I could have gone to all the schools around the world, and there are people that do that and still are not favored. So, you know, it's safer, it gives you, it's easier to know what you want to do, but it also takes just as much work as the person not knowing. I'll tell you that. I completely agree. Uh, what, What I say all the time is that, there are those people that are gifted and talented, you know. Uh, so as an actor, you might be gifted, or as a comedian, you might be gifted. But that doesn't diminish the fact that you must continue to work at that thing. You Absolutely. know, just because you're gifted don't mean you stop working. And Absolutely. I think I think some gifted talents kind of get lost in the shuffle because they rely on that gift and don't rely on the work ethic. And, and I think you have to. You spoke to commitment. Um, I think that's that idea is paramount because commitment, you know, says to me that you not only did you believe, but you put the work in. Talk talk about the work. Talk about the hours when nobody knew. Uh, talk about the the time, you know, when when I met you in the cat suit, you know, <laughs> and you were <laughs> and you were working on tripping. I met Chandrella outside of the Comedy Union in Los Angeles in a cat suit. She was with her husband, Ade, who was then her boyfriend. And and I remember being just so taken aback by your stature and the balls it took to rock this suit and the confidence you had. And I said to myself, I, this, I want to be friends with this lady. Take me to from there to now and, and, and the commitment and the ups and downs. <laughs> You know what, Rodney? It's only you that will throw back that that cat suit. And even when I do the recall and the whole visual taking me getting out the car and coming up with the cat suit, like where that kind of confidence? Even I'm pumped up about that confidence. Because, baby, I was confident in that cat suit coming from the set because I had a set to do. And you know what? Staying in that space right there, Rodney. We were shooting. We were late. The cat suit was mine. How about that? Hysterical. I owned that cat suit, and I had a set that night at the Comedy Union in Mitchell's spot. And so I was committed that even though I had been working all day on set and had did a, we had nice scenes, it was really fun, it ran over like film and television does oftentimes. It just runs over. But I still had a set to do, and people knew that my name was on that list to perform that night. And so I didn't have any time to go home and change and get myself, you know, re-engineered. This is who I am, and this is who I am. That is who I was. So I, with a committed attitude, 
came directly from set straight away to the comedy store, so that way I to the comedy union, so that way I can perform. And so it didn't really matter about all of you all. It was the people who were paying to come and see us do our business on stage that was waiting for me. And I had given my word to the host that I would be there. Yeah. You see. So that's part of the commitment. So for me, you know, I can go back. My brother sent me this tape the other day, a picture of me on Martin when I was an extra. And that was in 1996, Rodney. And at that time, I was working corporate in at Hilton Hotels Corporation in Beverly Hills. And I, didn't, I wasn't the girl that waited tables while, you know, trying to pursue or enter into or see how God was going to direct my path. My parents really, with education, was like, you're going to do something important. You're going to get your <laughs> right. plan. You're going to do some other stuff. So you don't have to be just sitting there saying, can I take your order? Now, I'm not disrespecting anybody that that's the choice, of course, they take. But for me, this was I had to set a stage for my younger siblings and for other people to say there has to be a different story to be told about how you get into this business. And for me, I was corporate by day, committed to that job wholeheartedly, and then doing stand-up at night, you see, and then using, by the time you saw me during tripping, I was using my vacation time at Hilton, so I didn't take any time off. All of my vacation time and my sick days were savored so the way I can take those days off to do the thing I loved, which was for me. Yeah, so Martin, when my brother sent me that, he had known that I was – that was a sick day off to do Martin as an extra so the way I could rack up my points, my voucher, so I could join the union. Meanwhile, I'm sitting at a corner office in Beverly Hills, fresh out of college. Wow. That's what people should want to live their life for. Like, this was it. I had made it. My education had paid off. I'm in a fantastic corporation that I can move up the ladder like this. And I'm taking six days to go be an extra with no lines in the background looking at Martin and saying, that's going to be me in a minute. Huh, what? And I have a corner office in Beverly Hills. That's the story. And my brother didn't know that. And he was like, man, this go away. This is a throwback. I said, yeah. And it really, Rodney, took me to a place of great appreciation of even when you are blessed in one area, my desire to be in front of this camera to tell these stories was more appealing to me than this fantastic, you know, corporate job that I landed at. I mean, it was just it just matched with the education I had. It wasn't necessarily something that I was like, ooh, I got to go work at Hilton. It was just an opportunity <laughs> to get paid a, a really wonderful salary and have a 401K so that way I can help, you know, with my sisters and brothers and them and put some money to the side so when I bust out of this place, you know what I'm saying? I can at least have some money and not be saying, oh, my goodness, how am I going to be going around here trying to, you know, add up my coins while I'm trying to perform? So I had a real higher level of commitment because that took the kind of tenacity and energy and support, Rodney. I mean, as you mentioned, Ade was my boyfriend at the time, and he saw the picture with me. It's very healthy when you have someone, especially when there's so much competition, there are so many guys out there that, by the way, wasn't checking for a sister before. That's why I went on here and rocked up with the African, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> then when I busted out my little cat suit, they're like, oh, let me holler at you. I was like, too late, boo-boo, sit too down late. somewhere. And so when you have that kind of support like I had with our day, and you know my mom and my sisters and brothers, you know, that helps to add to that level of commitment because they're like, remember what you said? Because I know you're doing this, but remember what you said. I said, you ain't got to remind me, because I know what I'm going to get to. And I just pushed 
myself against all odds. And, Rodney, they were there. It was tough. There were dark days because it wasn't like I had a manager. I didn't get representation right away. I was an odd-looking person. So stand-up was my place of refuge. They didn't judge. They don't, they don't have any issues. You can be whatever height, size, color, complexity. You get on that stage, your objective is to tell a story and make people laugh, period. They don't care yeah. what you look like. And that was my safe haven. So I was overly committed, and it paid off. It really paid off. It can burn you out, but as long as you're feeling joyous while you're doing it, please, I wouldn't trade it for the world. So my brother sent me this picture of Martin that's still airing, me in the background. All I could do was cry and just say, thank God. Thank yeah. God. Oh, Jesus. Hmm. Man, I, I, I'm so I'm so floored by your story, and it's a trip because I know it, but it's it's nuances of your story that I didn't know. So oh. to to listen to you right now is amazing. As your friend, watching your journey has been so impressive. Uh, we go back to the the coffee shop in Pasadena, where you <laughs> started your own comedy room. You know, because it was so hard to get on stage. And what what I don't think you tripped off of, in creating a stage for yourself, you created a stage for the rest of us that didn't have any place to work out either. So mm. I would get in my car and drive out to Pasadena because I knew it was a safe place to work. Mm. And not only was it you, but it was your mom, it was your your husband, DJ Day. <laughs> <laughs> and so my next question for you is, one, do you miss stand-up comedy? And two, will we see Chandrella, the stand-up comic, return to the stage? Thank you, Rodney. I want to say thank you for that because I didn't know that it was a safe haven for you all, and I'm grateful that that, that opportunity was presented for all of us because you all really made me a better comic, and I will say that. Um, yes, I do miss stand-up comics. Uh, comedy, I do miss it. And yes, you will see me back on stage again. I am actually writing right now, Rodney. I love it. I knew you would, and I thought I'd save it for today because, Rodney, I'm not going to lie to you. You are you are my friend, but you're more than a friend to me. You're my brother, and you know that. Um, you have been since the. I mean, we can we can talk about comedy union and definitely having the coffee house and you from all four of the comedy clubs that you know we ran as a family you were always there to support me. And so it is, but, but aside from that, once I stepped away and went on to pursue, you know, this, this acting that I was loving to do, it just overtook the time that I had and the extra commitment. Because, again, you go back to commitment. You know, I'm very driven to give 100% plus, you know, whenever I do something. And, you know, becoming newly married and still, you know, venturing out to play, and, and having two television shows at the time, you know, when you're doing those two things and you're committed to, okay, am I telling a prank today or am I going to be candy kissing Kelly Green tomorrow? What, what, what are we doing this week? And so then still while living my life and doing, you know, all of the work that I do for young kids out in South Central and all of the inner cities and disenfranchised city communities, for the kids it just left me not enough time to commit to stand up as I so desired and had done before. Right. The multitasking had kind of come to a place where you had to compartmentalize certain aspects. And I was newly married at the time, and you knew. And so that also required um, a level of commitment that you hone in. But nonetheless, you never wavered 
with being on me. It's like you and Ade and my mom and my sisters have been on me like like a fly. So you're not a you're not a friend. You're like my you're my brother because you were on me like you living in my house. So when are we gonna get this thing going again? Well, what's happening with the stand up? I mean, come on, girl, you know you can stand up. I mean, you, what, so you writing again? Cause come, on, I got this spot. Why don't you come on down again, Chandra? Sisters, come on, get back on the stage. What you doing, Chandra? It's like Rodney. The pressure, I would be trying to run away from your calls, and I'm like, I already know we're going to start talking about this movie, and then we're going to end up about me being back on stage again. So I didn't, I love you for that. I really want you to know that I love you for that. I love you for that. I love you for hanging with my daddy James, playing them dominoes. Like, I love you. I really do. I love you. I love Ann. I love the kids. All 15, 16 of your kids. you going to stop that. The, you know what? I love Monique get it on the show. And I said, Mommy, why are you going to say he got 11, 12 kids? He just got like, you know, seven, eight, or six, five. Oh, listen, you like my mom and daddy. You love kids, and I love you that you love kids. Because what people don't know is that you are a dang on great daddy. Not oh, good daddy, God. great daddy. You put it in, baby. It ain't a time I don't call you that you in the car taking all your girls to the movies with all their friends. I'm like, baby. People don't know that Rodney Perry goes to the movie with his daughters and their friends. I mean, who is this guy? That's, the guy only, that that's only because my wife refuses to go. <laughs> is, and, it, is it that, I, Rodney? I, I love movies. Now, now I got to stop you right there, Chandrella, because I, I, I did, I, I did, you know, really push you towards stand up. But the turning point for me personally, as a friend, when I saw you on Strong Medicine. Now I know oh. you've done I know you've done tons of things after that, but you played Etta on Strong Med- Strong Medicine wow. TV show, and you, and it was a uh, it was a very incredible scene. Well, well, tell us about the scene and and your character because for me that's when I said, man, my friend is a bona fide actor. Oh wow, thank you. You really was that. Yeah, you know, oftentimes, Rodney, people, when you do, when you are a stand-up comic, or I should say when you have, when you're multifaceted, when you're playing for Kennedy's Imaginary Worlds, in my mind, you know, that encompasses every aspect of it. But stand-up, I do believe, is a separate world on its own. So for me to have been blessed to have that ability to do that was really humbling for me because I had no idea that that was part of the body of work that was still lying in me. I was just thinking, okay, I could be a comedic actress. I've done enough plays and Hamlet and Shakespeare and all this other stuff in school that I'm like, yeah, I could do this. However, when you are in that space as a stand-up comic, like that kind of commitment requires a whole different mindset, but not really so separate if you have this other talent. It helps to fuel your stand-up if you have the ability to act, let me say, and perform right. and, and, and going through. You understand what I'm saying. Yeah. So with that being the case, um, I had gotten this part for Strong Medicine, and at the time I was doing stand-up, and I had done a lot of comedic parts, but no one had taken – they didn't know that I was a, a, an, an actor that could actually – play pretend in episodic things, dramatic roles. They didn't know because all I was doing was comedic roles and I that I had acquired from doing stand up. Right. So when I booked this part I was like, Oh, thank God, this is an opportunity for me to really showcase and the character, she was really wonderful. You're right. It was and I can't believe you remember her. Um, she was a mother who um was married, had a child and adopted another child. And a lot of people know that my parents are foster parents, and my mother has fostered many, many kids. So I right away responded to her. 
but she was she was in a she was in a crossroad between loving her child as and trying to commit to loving this other child, and then this other child not understanding why, you know, she looked different from from my husband and I child. So she was a very um, heavy character. She but had to tell the story in a group setting. We were in a group setting, and I had to tell the story to all of these other moms. Um, my struggle of loving this child who is adopted is the same way of loving my child and the interaction between them two. And I chose to take the approach of not because it was a heavy scene, I chose to take the approach of making her a human being because I have been a sister and I am a sister to children who are my natural siblings and children who are adopted in my family, and I have to love them the same. And at that time, I was very, I was younger in my impressions of that world, so my innocence and vulnerability was so overwhelming that it happened to have been a perfect part for me to to lead into this dramatic sense of who I am that I didn't even um, know would come about because at the time I wasn't married, and I, I didn't know that aspect of it, but I knew the struggle between those two worlds. And it is probably today one of my um, sincerest, um, um, wonderful roles of just being humbled in, in knowing that I can play those, that, that dichotomy between those two children. And it was healthy. And my manager and agent to this day say, that was just so honest and sincere. Yeah. And I said, only, you know, not everyone can go there. But I had experience, and then I took it there. Does that make sense? So I... Um, I love her. I love that person, and I love what I was able to do with her. And that opened up the doors to so many other opportunities, which led to Secret Life of Bees and people eventually seeing things later in life. But it still is a body of work, Rodney, that I'm very proud of, and I'm humbled that you even remembered that. Thank you. Strong medicine is the truth. Yeah, I, I, I just remember seeing you on, on my television and being like, oh, my God, this girl is the, a beast, you know. Mm. So, so okay. Now we we talked about uh tripping, we talked about um uh uh, uh your your uh, episode on strong medicine. We cannot talk to Chandrella Avery without talking about candy. <laughs> you took this role, you walked in there and and it was a, a reoccurring role or or, or or you you could you could tell the story better, but you ended up in as a full fledged cast member at the end of the day, and now you're known worldwide for playing this this beautiful girl Candy, who took being a nail tech to the next level. Talk about Candy. <laughs> that is hysterical. She definitely took nail tech to the next level. The the nail tech that wasn't doing no nails. How about that? Hilarious. <laughs> Uh, always at everybody else's. She was playing pretend real well at doing her job, but never was quite doing her job. It's hysterical. Yeah, um, we came on. Actually, that really is a wonderful story because um, myself, you know, myself, Rashawn Nall, and um, at the time it was Omar um, Epps. I mean, what am I saying? Omar Epps. Or Omar, Omar, Omar Gooding. Omar Gooding. We were all hired in as a one-time guest star role to play in this, uh, it was a, Flex had won it. At the time, as you know, it's the stars of Flex and Kyle Pratt. One-on-one. The show is one-on-one. The show is one-on-one, uh, created by Unetta T. Boone and produced by David John Alari. Um, and, and so what had happened was 
Flex was like, listen, I'm from New York. I want to, you know, even though we're not, the show isn't in New York, I'm used to, I need a place to go and chit-chat with friends. And at the time, you know, we were still in the first season. So it wasn't like, you know, they had gotten in the rhythm enough between father and, and daughter to be able to segue to that. But the network was really flexible. You never really pushed it. And she said, listen, just give the guy one episode, you know, just one episode of him at the barbershop. You know, we'll, we'll, put, we'll throw some characters together. And so they did. They put, you know, myself as a male tech, and she wanted to have a female in, even though normally that doesn't happen in barbershops, but there are female cutters that are in barbershops. Right. So, Very true. You know, yeah, so in order to have that twist of having a woman there but still have a little eye candy, you know, they had me as a nail tech, you know, a little bootleg. When you're a little nail tech inside the barbershop, we do it all up here and where we're from. So they hired, you know, Omar and Rashawn and myself. And eventually uh, that particular episode, that season, um, was one of the top highest rated episodes. Wow. We, yes. And I had on none other than a gray cat suit. What is up with these cat suits? Oh, my God. Listen, Rodney, can, I don't can even we know just, Can we just state the obvious? First of all, your body is ridiculous, so I'm Wait. sure that <laughs> helps. You ain't going to be no, you know, slouchy chick in a cat suit, so, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very everybody much. Can't, everybody can't pull off the cat suit, you know. <laughs> I don't know how that cat suit came up, but when I flashed back, I was like, did I wear a smoke gray cat suit? What is up with these cat suits? No, funny. True story. We we it was one episode. We shot it. It was rated very high. And after that, the network saw the need in it and the likability. And it wasn't so what I think their perception of a barber shop was. We really had depth in there. There was real human being conversation, but there was also silliness and funniness and cattiness and all the things that still do happen. And so that one episode that particular season turned into nine. And then it turned into me because Kelly Perrine, who was my boyfriend for all these years, Dwayne, played by Dwayne, um, he hadn't had successful relationships. And, you know, Yunetta wanted to make sure that he at some point in time could score up a hot chick. You right. know, what makes him not be able to score up a hot chick, even though he's not as handsome as Flex is on the show? He's not that guy. But guess what? He can score up somebody, too. Now, how exactly. does it go? It's going to be Candy. So Candy and Dwayne, I'm telling you, I mean, all time, all time is, I mean, next to, of course, the, the film that I love that had a very similar tone to it, but not inspired by that, by the way. But I, that, those two, I love those two. And I just saw Kelly here a few weeks ago, and you, somebody saw us out and was like, oh, my God. Is that Candy and Dwayne? And we were like, we are Candy and Dwayne, baby. Listen, and wow. we really loved each other. That wasn't yeah. no TV love. It was we committed to the love. Wow. You know, and that's the one thing, you know, people fail to realize that it doesn't matter how you look, because the complexities of those two people, the world that they both came from, which you later saw in, I mean, I played this person for five seasons, Rodney. Wow. For somebody who got a guest star for one time that went on to not just be on one-on-one for all those years, but then spun off to be on my own show with Marcus Houston and Shannon Elizabeth and take Candy to the next level, the remix of Candy. Remix. The Candy was re-dang-on mixed on cuts. What? She got her standardized hair. You know, she wasn't rocking all the multiple wigs and listening all this. She got it together. She pulled up her A-game on cuts. Yeah. But I loved her for 
everything. And it's funny because when people see me out, I was just at the, my godmother's at the rehabilitation center. That's a sidebar, no, because she's sick, but she really ain't sick. So I had to go visit her. And the lady, listen, it's a whole different story. You ain't got time for that. So I was there, and the lady came in, one of the nurses, and her name was Valerie, bless her heart. And so my godmother slash aunt, she's like 79, and she wants to tell somebody, first of all, the name is Chandrella, and she loves to say Chandrea. Not quite sure why. Hilarious. But she was, she said, uh, you know, Chandrea, Averin, not Avery, Averin, okay, because things get turned up, right? And that's why we got to keep praying for, for our minds to be clear. You see what I'm yes. saying? So Chandrea Adrian, she is the star. And the lady said she's candy on one-on-one. I already know who she is straight away. That was so exciting for me. And people yeah. felt realize that it doesn't matter, Rodney, where you go. When people out there say, I try to say something to celebrities and sometimes they don't want to, that is terrible. Let me put yes, this out I, there. I completely agree. I Let completely me put agree. That out there. That is nonsensical thinking. Let me tell you something. If I don't have my fans, I don't eat. Do you understand me? Without the fans, we don't have a platform. Yeah. It's those people like Valerie at the Rehabilitation Center who said, that's candy from one-on-one. I know her. I know exactly who she is. I knew you when you stepped out the elevator. Mm. And listen, you should have seen my face. I said, thank you, Valerie. I went right there and hugged her. I said, thank you. She said, girl, stop acting like nobody knows you. I said, it's not that. <laughs> well, okay, why is she trying to turn her? I said, because I was so, she looked at me like I was shocked. It wasn't that I was shocked. I don't expect it. But if it happens, I'm so grateful because I love, love candy. And I can speak to candy. I can speak to every one of these people that I have portrayed that lie within me forever. And that's why I think it's important that you make the smartest choices to play these people so that way when you have that moment, that ain't no shame in Candy. Candy was the business, and right. she is well-known all over the world, and I still get fan mail, and I'm humbled about Candy. I, I love me some Candy. And Candy... And Dwayne, you never know, might make a little something, something extra. Just, I, I, I love it. I love it. I love it. Now, now, uh, you spoke to choosing your roles, and I know that you have been very deliberate at choosing some of the roles uh, that you've played. So let me let me throw this at you. I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw the name of your character, and you you give me a you know like a brief synopsis of your your process as you chose that particular character. How about that? Okay. Okay, uh, Kathy from Deja Vu. <laughs> um, Kathy from Deja Vu, great one. Denzel Washington, Tony Scott, second film um, that I did with him. I Kathy actually reminded me of who my father thought I should be a lawyer and or a cop. So um, I know that I am tall. So I know that, and, and I'm bad. You know, I'm from South Central, but people think that, you know what I'm saying, I ain't got it in me, but I got it in me. And that particular, yeah, I, Rodney, yeah, you can talk uh, about that. I've, I've met the hood, Chandrella, so. Okay, I, let's I, put that out there. Let's not try to act like she ain't in there, Rodney. You know what I'm saying? Uh, don't, this, don't let the corporation fool you. This is the thing. Hood, Chandrella, only come out when you're with your hood sister. <laughs> you know what, Rodney? Now, see, you don't, you better be, you better be, listen, if Mel hear this, it is going to be shut down. You know you're going to get a phone call. Are I you know, ready for I, I, I Okay, I so still, anyway. I still, I, I only deleted that voicemail recently when y'all cut God. me out on the phone. Thank you. You know what? And I, you're right. I get pushed. My sister, we're not going to put Mel out there because, you know, I need Mel as a backup. You know what I'm yeah. saying? We ain't going to put out a whole, 
So anyway, um, Kathy, I got Kathy in me, and I'm a cop, you know, this, that. But I was hired, okay, to be his deputy secretary, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, when I got to set, I explained to Tony Scott that, listen, of course, I'm hired to be a deputy secretary. That's no problem. I can do that job all day, every day, right? However, let me impose upon this situation and say if I had a gun, based on the conditions and circumstances of this particular film here, if the, if the bad guy come up in here, then they're going to need somebody to protect him. And I got hype for that. You know what I'm saying? I got right. that. So if you don't mind at least letting me, you know, hold a gun, I'd still do the secretarial thing. You know what I'm saying? But let me be a deputy secretary with a gun. And that actually would help out my little brother who was watching and thinking, oh, my God, you know, you're working with Denzel Washington. You know what I'm saying? He's got a gun. you got a gun. This is a big movie. You know, it helps with my credibility with my family. <laughs> I need this, Tony. I really, really – seriously, Rodney, this was a sidebar meeting. I put this on everything. True story. I had a wow. sidebar meeting with, with, with Tony Scott, and then Tony Scott said, well, let's check in with, with Denzel. And I went to Denzel, and I asked him, like, with great humility, sir, please, Mr. Washington – I think I may have called him D, you know, D, D Washington, you know, could you please let me have this? And he's looking at me like, what is happening with this? Ch like, can you just do the job? I, I can do the job. <laughs> Listen, perfectly. But if I could just get that badge around my neck and the gun, even with my skirt, now that's taking this character to the next level. And they laughed at me, and Tony Scott said, give Shadrilla a badge and a gun. And that was that character. And so... It made her even stronger. It made her not necessarily just say the words that were coming out of her mouth, but now, now I am a deputy. See what I'm saying? I'm badass yeah. in yeah. the film. So my whole view, if, I, if you rewatch it and see when I come in, it's like, where is he? You know, boom, it's like aggressive now because I got a gun. You know, see, that, that spiked up Kathy. And yeah, it, 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 takes, it takes everything to the next level. And how ballsy of you to even ask. You know, um, that was ballsy. That is incredible, Chandrilla. The fact that you, let me tell y'all something. Any actors or comedians listening, you know, a lot of us be so happy to be on a set. We just shut up and sit down somewhere. But the fact that you asked is incredible to me. You know what it is? It's called kingdom authority. Yes. Listen, I have kingdom authority. I know that, you know, God overrides all of this here, and it's not arrogant. See, and I don't want people to misinterpret you know, being cocky and arrogant and expecting that I should have it, though I believe if I took a risk and humbled myself to them and just asked, all they could tell me was no, but it was the approach. So many people come in feeling, you know, well, <laughs> I mean, I deserve <laughs> to do this. Now, mind you, that particular space where I was, Rodney, was only really for like a, a few days. I was only, I mean, Tony Scott asked me to do it for like a few days. I end up being there like a couple of weeks, million about. Just add me in the other stuff because I was humbled when I came and asked of that. And I found a comedic way, which I have to, it's a callback to being a stand-up. I found a comedic way to ask for that in a way where it wasn't so demanding and so aggressive and so confrontational. You know, I brought in my little brother. You know, my little brother, he's 10. You know, D, let me, you know what I'm saying, it'll help me out. You know, my family credibility, my little brother's going to be like, wow, not to mention you're in the movie, but you've got a gun? Whoa. I mean, that gives me really great bragging rights. He felt it was so comical that I had went this far in my mind to even think of this story, which God 
the courage at that moment. At that moment, the story came out right then and there, Rodney. It wasn't like I had pre-thought of this. It happened there because I, I took the whole script in. I read the script, and that's another thing we do. Most times performers come in, and they know their work. That's mm-hmm. it. They don't know the, uh, the whole story. You have to immerse yourself in the body of the story, you see, and find ways that you can add things and then find an approach that makes sense with a humbled spirit, not an arrogant, not a I'm entitled, not I am Chandrella Avery. But if you're Denzel Washington, I'm Chandrella Avery. You may not know that yet. But be clear that this is an opportunity for you to get in on seeing someone who believes in themselves just as you believe in yourself. Mm. And that is what I executed. And I did it with grace and tact and decorum and humility, and they let me have it. And I tell the story today, and it is, oh, my goodness, but I exercised in the moment my kingdom authority that God gives me, but I did it with the same type of grace and humility where it was no ego, where it was no arrogance, and those are very key things, and I had read the script. So my joke was indicative of the script and then buttered up with my little brother <laughs> in order right. for them not to deny me. <laughs> and, uh, again, that, that speaks to doing the work. That speaks to doing the work. And commitment. Um, Let's commitment. move on to uh, Miss LaShindra Davis from Domino. Oh, that one is, I love LaShindra. I really do. Um, LaShindra is half twin to LaShondra, and that was <laughs> Macy, played by Macy Gray. Okay. Right. Uh, we were the twins, and um, we were strippers turned rappers in the movie with Domino. That oh, featured, God. <laughs> yeah, well, we were stripper turned rappers, but I want to be clear about the rap because that didn't all make it in there, but, it, you know, Tony did some, some different kind of editing, but the commitment was clearly there. And be clear that the rap is going to come out in another film. Be, that's stay tuned, Rodney. Um, okay, that okay. Was, uh, also directed by Tony Scott, teach, uh, starring Kira Knightley and Mickey Rourke and um, Macy Gray, and, of course, my sister, Monique, the Oscar winner. Yes, And yes, that yes. was pre-Oscar, an amazing experience to be with Monique, who, by the way, was our cousin in the film, to be clear with those facts. But Shindra, um, I had never played a stripper. Um, I didn't really know about the skills, but based on my prior track record with Catsuit, um, I think I had <laughs> Clearly, I had practiced some moves as well. I used to hit up all the reggae clubs in South Central. So right. uh, went in a bunch of butterfly contests and tapes back when they were giving out tapes and not CDs. Sit down with that, Rodney. You don't want to know about that. I mean, you're not ready for that conversation, sweetie. That's on the third time we do the okay, interview, okay? okay all okay. right. So I didn't take any strip classes, but Tony Scott, because he wanted us to be believable, he wanted us to take a class, which sidebar Macy Gray minor in college was a strip class. I'm not sure how that worked out and how you got that. Are you serious? Very serious, and she was confident to let me know. So she actually wanted to teach the class herself um, and and had some skills until the day we needed to shoot the thing. And then she backed up and was like, you know what, y'all I'm just going to let you do the thing. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Drella. Tony, get the camera on Drella. She's really good at the wine and the wine and stuff. I'm like, okay, what happened to all these strip class and college and curriculum and what was going on with that? You know, all the walking and talking that you had. We had matching cat suit outfits on. And that particular, I really went in for that one, Rodney, because 
I had never been in a strip club, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, so I didn't know the whole action that jumps off. And I had asked Tony before, are we going to have to get on the pole? Right. Because I need to have an extra, extra class on that because I'm six feet, and I just believe that I'm the, heavy the, down the below. The pole is another animal anyway. I mean, the pole ain't for everybody. Rodney, it is a, that is a whole other movie by itself. And I need to be clear of these facts of my dialogue and the poll, and are we going to be winding with my butt shot? We need to get the particulars on it. But he right. said, listen, just take your class and show up. So we took the class, we showed up, we shot it, and then we also were rappers. So we had these thug rapper kind of business that we were trying to break off from our strip into our rapping. And we also had to take a rap class. And Macy and I, we wrote our own rap Um we did our own mix, and we had our own airbrush T-shirts, and we were wow. committed. No, we were committed. Monique will tell you, this was a serious game. And the one thing about us is that everything she said, because she was like a split second older than me, so whatever she said, I backed up. Whatever right. she said, I backed up. That was our beat, right? And so Monique, who didn't know oftentimes when we were just going to say things that wasn't in the script, you see, see that's okay. another thing about knowing the script, understanding where there are moments where you can interject. And Macy Gray and I were very committed performers. She is a yeah. phenomenal singer, but she's even a more disciplined actor. And I really appreciate that because I didn't know that, and I'm very disciplined in my acting. So, you know, I don't know about what you're doing on the stage singing, but you're going to come here and do this. But I didn't even have to present nothing. We just both came and we played for 10 and we were so colorful that there were a lot of takes that didn't make it because either Monique would chuckle or Delroy Lindo would be like, where did that come from? Because we would back up stuff. And I love Tony Scott because he let us play, and he kept a lot of our improv that we just did because we were the one, two sisters, LaShendra and LaShondra. So, I mean, she was confident. She had her nails. She was gold. She was not candy. She was a different person, you know, and she was a stripper turned rapper. And, and, and you're going to see the rapping part come out again. Macy Green, now we have a thing called bringing it and showing it, and we're going to be doing a part two of that to be continued. I, I completely love it, which brings us to, I think, the role that, that puts you uh, on the map of the masses. Uh, and when I say the masses, I mean white America, black America, Latin America, Africa, Europe, you know, this role is 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 a role that people wait a lifetime for, and you mm. completely murdered it. You made it. Uh, you made this character lovable. You 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 fueled what we thought about Napoleon Dynamite when you gave us La Fawanda Lucas. Well, thank you. Let me begin by saying it. And I want to add in that she is now um, Mrs. LaFonda Lucas Dynamite. I mean, uh, we did get married, yes, Ronnie. Yes, yes, you did. I apologize. Okay. And, 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 and on the reprise, and, and, you know. Exactly. Well. <laughs> on the back end of the credits, um, there was a wedding that took place. And so I am Mrs. Dynamite. See, those clues need to be put out there because people need to know how to address Now, now was that a second thought? Because I, I think I remember you saying y'all had to reshoot that part. <laughs> we did, Rodney. We actually... We're so blessed. We had zero money for the first 90 minutes of the film, and then by the time the movie was um, purchased and acquired, and we had enough, we had more money to shoot that extra eight to ten minute um, reprise, as you call it, um, than we did for the entire movie. 
that wow. we had shot. We had more money. I mean, so much that my family is in the film, my mom, my sister, um, and two of my brothers, and they're in the film, and they got a per diem, believe it or not. I mean, they got, like, money. I was like, what? Y'all get a per <laughs> I was like, man, this is incredible to kind of hook up. I mean, they were living life. You understand me? It was fantastic on that back end that we received from doing the extended footage. And that came about because people were really hyped up about the film, um, and it truly has been the best thing that's ever happened to my career because you're right, and I'm very grateful, and I, it does not go undocumented, Rodney, that I know that people wait a lifetime to get this, and I can only say it was truly God's gift to me because you don't seek out that. That, that is where favor comes into play. It just happened. When, the, when you're asking God for some things, you've got it on your list, you're right. A body of work that gets to that point generally takes some time. However, this particular part came about, I was um, doing one-on-one and girls behaving badly at the time. I was on hiatus. We were just about to wrap up that season. I got the script from my then agent at the time, and it was the size is actually what broke it down. It was the description of the person, LaFonda Lucas, um, five foot ten or taller, African-American woman, full body, buttocks included. Like that was the breakdown of this, bur- of this girl. And so, of course, my then agent was like, well, that's Chandrella Avery. It was like right. a no-brainer. So, you know, he calls me up and he's like, listen, I, this thing doesn't pay any money at all, but, you know, you might want to just read it and see. And I read this. And honestly, I felt either this is the funniest thing I've ever read in my entire life or I am odd as all odd. I'm totally not like this black chick from the hood. Something is off with this role or maybe it's a combination of both. It was just so funny to me instantaneously. And I'm a very eclectic odd person. I know that. I respond to all musics, all types of films. You know, I'm just that person. And I know that. So it's spoke to me 100 plus percent. And it wasn't so much about what she was saying, because as we all know, she had very little to say on the page. It was what she wasn't saying that she was saying that you didn't see. Mm. And that type of talent I could respond to, which is what made me so desiring to want to play it, because she didn't have, you know, oftentimes people think, that it is what you want, what your words are, what my lines are, you know. I got to have enough lines in this thing. No, 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 you don't. No, you don't. You could tell a whole story and not have nothing to say. Yeah. Now, that I know for a fact. How, based on my track record, based on even me being an extra, Rodney, I can call back being an extra. And even my brother sending me that tape with me on Martin the look in my eye in the background, I was saying, I could read what I was saying by my look. Because you can say things without saying anything, which, as you know from Candy on 101, every one of the people, the, the human beings I've played, there are times when the camera will come to me, and if based on the conversation, you know what I'm saying. I mean, you and I, as, as brother and sister, I can look at you and just give you an eyeball, and you'll be like, okay, I know what's going on right there. Right. See, but people fail to realize that that's also playing pretend. Yeah. So if you have that same mentality when you are in the story, that's why I tell all people who they call them atmosphere, but back in the day we would call background. 
it's not you're not really in the background because you're insignificant. You're there because you are significant. So yeah. play your role. Because if you're not there, we look silly up there talking. Exactly. But people <laughs> fail to realize that because they're like, well, I don't have nothing to say. You are saying something. Why don't you say something in your mind? Monique and, calls and them background professionals. Background professionals. Now I hear they call them atmosphere. I don't know what yeah. the heck is going on. I mean, whatever it is, I validate all of those individuals. Everywhere I go, they are because there are people that be like, oh, that person was a high-paid extra in the show. Well, who is a high-paid extra? That's so right. ignorant. Don't say that. That's not fun. Those people that you call extras are as equally important to the people who have the dialogue. Yes, the camera may be on those people directly, but if the camera gets a back shot of somebody, I will tell you, Rodney, I am more in tune to watching people who are around the situation and how they're responding than I am to the people who are doing the talking because they play, to me, a more significant role in terms of how important whatever that person is saying is doing. That's my thought, that this is just Chandrella. So in Napoleon Dynamite, I knew that everything that she wasn't saying on the page she was actually saying in her eyes, in her conversation. She, he, the two of them, Kip and LaFonda, yeah. were having a serious conversation when we were at the table, and I was going, we were having the ice cream, and we were doing the footsies underneath the table, and I give him the bling bling. We're talking. You don't hear us talking? We're talking. Hmm. We're saying, oh, my God, this is really happening. I really like him. He really likes me. Oh, she's so sexy. How did I luck up to get her? And I'm like, oh, I'm about to tear him up tonight, baby. Let me hook him up with a little pet necklace. We're saying, and, we, and guess what? We never had a conversation about it. I was dr- flown in, driven two hours to get to Preston, Idaho, got out of the car. This is how low budget was. Got out of the car with my pants on that was in the film when I stepped off the bus. Those are my pants, Okay. Right. And we're shooting the scene while them buffing up my face. I did my own little jack leg makeup. They did some other little eye mascara. And we were shooting that as I landed. That's how, no, no check in the hotel, no time to sign papers. Right. Action, let's go. And it's, ah, I'm coming off the bus. This is serious business. Wow. This was, but I was already committed to her. I was committed to her when I came into the audition. So, I I am humbled by Jared Hess, who wrote and produced it. Well, he also wrote it with his wife, Jerusha. Um, Kit, played by Aaron Rule, who to this day we have been the most highly spoken about, and that's what inspired the ending. They wanted to know, can we do a part two? And Jared was like, this is my life. It was his life as a, as a young boy. And he put these combinations of his Napoleon and Kit together, but it was really all him. And he said, I can't tell a lie. This is really my version of my life. And so they wanted to know who, what were you, the most popular characters. And they wanted to know where did Kip and LaFonda go when they got on the bus. Well, baby, they were going to Detroit to pick up her family in order to come back because we were about to make this thing a solid unit, and that was to get married. And that was what we came up with. And so they came up with it. We got married. And we had to go back one year later, even though people could say it's three months. It was literally. Right there. Yeah, I'm listening. It was literally, and how apropos to, did you end on this? Because we shot the movie in 2004, 4th of July weekend, and we shot the remix on 4th of July, 2005. Wow. How about that? As we as as this show will be airing on Fourth of July, I want to thank you so much for for coming on again today. I mean, I, I, you know, you know, you and I can go on and on and on, and and we could talk for hours on end. 
Uh, I didn't cover girls behaving badly. Uh, another awesome uh, uh, real life look at at Chandrella. You guys did such great work on there. Uh, your uh, philanthropic efforts. Uh, you're an ambassador for Africa. Just give me give me give me your take on charity and and how you how you give back. That's a great question. I'll make it short and sweet. Um, you know, I believe Rodney, too much is given, much is required, because that's what God says. So when you are given a lot, you should give back a lot because as you give it away, he replenishes your bonds. So I have I was raised in a philanthropic community, a home, which I didn't know that we were those type of people. I just knew that my mother liked a lot of kids, she had a lot of kids, and she wanted to embrace a lot of kids. And that came inspired by her taking in my cousin um, and having a safe haven for these children who were disenfranchised, who were beaten, who were molested, who were not treated well in their own home for whatever lack of disarray was happening in that space. We had a really wonderful home. And so my mother felt of opening up her home to other people. It actually afforded me an opportunity to see so many people from all walks of life and not pass judgment, not have any um, problems with, with coming up to people from all walks of life, all complexities and handicaps. I love because God is love, and we are supposed to exercise that here on earth. Wow. So because of that, as the Lord continued to bless me and my career to have the dreams that I dreamt of to actually manifest and come to fruition, there will be no way outside of the scope of having to be the firstborn of ten kids that my mother has had and be that role model that I don't have enough time to go out and let someone else see me from the community with which I come from, which is South Central and all the cities all over the United States of America as well as Africa, to let people touch me because now there's a, there's a personality that they like, be it Candy, be it LaFonda, be it Lashindra, be it Edna, whomever these people that I play in Chandrella on Girls Behaving Badly, when they come up to say, are you Chandrella? I am Chandrella. As you said, I'm one name. I am Chandrella. So, therefore, if you like those people that you see me playing, then you're going to love the fact that I love giving back. And I am in a position afforded by God and appointed by God to do this job. And that's okay with me because we all are supposed to give back. Yeah, they say, oh, i got to hold on to mine. i got to keep mine. But I have found, Rodney, that even when I didn't have, I had. You yes. understand me? When I didn't have, Rodney, I'm sure you can speak to this. Yes. When money didn't seem like it was coming through the doors quick enough, it was coming rapidly. But yes. it's all in how you see things. So, yes, I have decided because it was already decided for me. <laughs> it wasn't like it was something I had to really think about. I didn't have to have a conversation. This isn't a publicity stunt. A lot of people didn't know that I've been dealing with people from a place called home in South Central for six years. Yes. A lot of people don't even know that. A lot of people, I don't come out broadcasting the work that I do. All I do is do, and I believe that it'll catch up to me because I'm not looking for the shine to be more validated. That doesn't validate me. That is not about me. This is about a job that I'm supposed to do because I'm in a position to do. And I do believe that every entertainer, and I mean that very sincerely, Every entertainer who, whether you've come from adverse, adversity yourself or you've come from a unique situation, you know somebody who has had some situations that you can speak to to help. It doesn't matter 
if you're not a celebrity or recognizable person, the person next door to you can do something as, as quickly as saving cans and giving it to a homeless person, you know, housing yeah. up your water bottles. I mean, do something for someone. Give your clothes back to Salvation Army. Give it back to Goodwill. Look for your local charity. Go down. My little sister who's adopted, her and my mother put together care packets for the men's shelter with shaving sticks and whatever that they got at the dollar store. Put together little 22 little these Ziploc bags. And my little sister, who's eight, and she was asking my mommy, why do we have to do this? And my mother said, because we have to still give back. My mother, God bless her, because yeah. she opened up the opportunity for me to understand it at six years old. That is our job, Rodney. And it doesn't have to be a popular person, but it adds to the equation when you are recognizable. It hypes it up because I've seen kids where I go out and speak at universities, high schools, career day, inner city day, whatever day it could be for me to go out and tell somebody, have a dream, make smart choices, and watch it manifest. 